0: Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here on this solemn day to say goodbye to our dear, dear friend, Richard humor cut down in his prime by a giant who we may or may not have thrown at him to shut him up. Born in 1969, he was dedicated to his craft and his work, and in the end, he went down doing what he loved. He was strong and firm, but at the same time, his love would flow over all of us. When others would go limp in the face of danger, our friend stood erect. Warren. We will miss his laughter and his larger-than-life personality, for even though he didn't have much in the way of girth, (coughs) he knew how to do what he could with what he had. We will miss those spurts of joy that he gave us. (laughs) Even though, before his last moments, he said he had a bone to pick with Warren. We know that he still loved his work here on Tone Deaf dearly. He was always the first to come to our recordings, and even though he never spoke until his final show, he was always there, a winking eye (laughs) over our shoulder. We all knew that Richard was ahead above the rest until two weeks ago Richard couldn't be beat and well Richard was no jerk looking back our time with him was over too soon and we are all left unsatisfied (coughs) Richard is survived by his partner, Peter Johnson, his sons, Richard Jr., Pee-wee and Little Peter, and his cock. <laughs> Choky Chicken. Warren, stop laughing. His family is here. Are you okay?
0: deeply sorry
1: we will honor the throbbing ache (laughs) he left in our hearts by continuing to review musicals while thrusting his unique brand into every review of musical theater for no show is immune from the charms of richard humor we say all these things with the power vested in me by the universal life church in the name of the wolf the miranda and the Weber and Sondheim. Amen.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> and with that legally required eulogy over with, we now welcome you all to this very solemn episode of Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd, and very, very sorry.
0: And I'm Warren. I'm
1: musically challenged. And? Also very, very sorry. So today is our second episode about Flower Drum Song, and this week we're covering the 2002 revival, and we're going to be watching a production done by a high school, which, as we've said many times on the show, a lot of the best productions are done by high schools. Tis true. Um, so I wanted us to watch both versions, and I really wanted us to use Flower Drum Songs, uh, which is a book by David H. Lewis that uh, talks about the production history of both versions. But that version would have taken us months to get and also cost $40, and so I decided not to go with that one. Um, instead, I purchased the actual book of Flower Drum Song that has a foreword by both C.Y. Lee and David Huang, uh, who wrote The Revival. And I highly recommend it to people who are interested in the story um, or in C.Y. Lee or the complicatedness of this show, because it's really good.
0: The snippets I, that you were reading me i thought were really interesting yeah
1: i haven't finished the book yet because i finally
0: Cause we got it last night yeah we,
1: we <laughs> got it last night and so when i was trying to sit down to read it i was really easily distracted because i was trying to finish up things for this episode um but as a reminder flower drum song the musical was based on flower drum song the novel by cy lee who was a chinese immigrant uh, the book focuses more on the patriarch of the Wong family, while the musical focuses on the eldest son and his romantic escapades. The book deals more with generational issues in immigrant families, while the musical focuses more on being showy, silly, and not handling the issues faced by undocumented immigrants in a very good way. <laughs> um, other than a hundred million miracles, the musical is eh. That's more like a hundred million miracles. <laughs> So um, one of the reasons that I highly recommend reading this book is for the forwards um, and also Lee's writing. But uh, Huang has the introduction of the book and he talks about his own complicated views of the story and how important it is because it was basically the first mainstream Chinese American novel and it was the first one to be a bestseller like nationwide. So that's a big deal. Yeah, but it's basically left out of the lit- the Asian-American literary canon, hmm. even though it's the first major Chinese-American novel. I wonder why. Well, so he talks about it a little bit in his book, um, or in the foreword to this book. Um, he says that it was, uh, in his words, the omission was deliberate, I believe, resulting from two realities of that period— Foremost was the novel's association with the musical and the movie. To the extent that we discredited the musical flower drum song as inauthentic, the novel became tainted by association. The Mm. unsophisticated politics of that period could not accommodate such a distinction. And second was the reverse snobbery, whereby the very success of the novel in the general marketplace rendered it suspect as an example of true Asian-American literature. This sort of prejudice is not limited to ethnic studies scholars. It often happens in mainstream circles uh, that a critically acclaimed artist is abandoned by his allies after achieving popular success. Hmm. If the masses like it, how artistic could it be? Similarly, Asian American critics might have argued that if white readers had liked Flower Drum Song, how authentic could it be? So that's where some of that comes from. And you see that a lot with...
0: That is an unfortunate form of pretzel logic.
1: It's, It's... And unfortunately, it's very common. Yeah. So, um, the version that we're going to be watching, uh, the story doesn't follow the Wong family as heavily as previous iterations did. Instead, we're spending a lot more time with Mei Li, who instead of coming over as a quote-unquote picture bride, comes over to escape communist China after her father's death in prison. Oh, shit and um the generational issues in this version are seen
0: through May Lee's lens more so is that so wait 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 sorry sorry uh i guess back up a little bit from what he was writing is may lee a real character or just she's a character okay. in the book well, i just mean like was she a real but person or not no okay no, so just... it, okay so it is a, a work of fiction in terms of yeah that it's still aspect. a work of fiction okay. um I just want to make sure cuz and... like that's a that's one hell of a uh uh photoshopping if you're like oh yes her father was alive and well and came with her versus died in prison
1: and in in the book i haven't gotten to that point yet but um they do talk about that may lee is different in the book because she is not the super quiet diminutive woman like the caricature that she is in the musical yeah and so the staged version or the Revival version is going to follow closer to the melee and the book and the Ta and Saw and Master Wong and everybody else than um, the original musical did. Okay. So um, there's also going to be a plot that kind of pits the Chinese opera traditions against the more Western jazz lounge club traditions and you'll see it in there but that's kind of where the conflict comes up more in this and it, the love triangle is still kind of there but not they they don't do it the same way that the original Rodgers and Hammerstein musical did and I don't want to spoil plot for you cuz it is different okay it is very different <laughs> Um, but Ta, uh, Master Wong, Linda Lowe, Madame Leong, they're all still in this show. But not everyone from the original musical stays
0: in. Um, what, about, what about Sammy Fong? You'll see. <laughs> Your face just lit up as you turned to me. Like, you'll oh, see. <laughs> okay, okay. It's different. Um,
1: and they actually took out the song The Other Generation, and they put the song My Best Love back in the musical, from the original Boston Tryouts. So, the Boston Tryouts, as we talked about last week, was when they were revising the show constantly, and that's, they had to do a revise before doing a revival. And so that song was brought back in. Um, Another song, The Next Time It Happens, was brought in from the non-memorable Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, Pipe Dream.
0: The non-memorable. Yeah,
1: and... uh, That one was put in place of The Other Generation, and we'll get to what happened to that song in a sec. Um, And then A Hundred Million Miracles is reprised a lot more, and it's really good, at least from what I heard from the album, which I was listening to at work and sending you messages going, brah, I'm getting chills, this is so much better, Ah." that's that's what I was doing. But that's
0: my case over. Like. I am. Yep.
1: <laughs> so, um, like I said last week, this revival only ran for 169 performances <laughs> from, God damn it, <laughs> from October 17th, 2002 to March 16th, 2003 on Broadway. Um, before that point, he had workshopped it in LA in 2000 but it didn't make enough money to move to Broadway right away. Um, And I'm not going into the same detail that I did last week just because I don't want to rehash how the um, revival was uh, revived, basically. But basically, uh, Huang had seen King and I and decided he wanted to revive flower drum song and he also talks about it in the foreword to flower drum song again i'm gonna keep pitching that the book because <laughs> it's it's one of those things where i didn't know about flower drum song when i was going through a theater and b my ethnic studies classes trying to see where i was going in college and so i don't know i I just, I recommend it so far. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and let's see. Uh, but yeah, so he he proposed doing that. And then uh, the folks that held the rights to the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals allowed him to do a revival and C.Y. Lee signed off on the script. Um, and this revival, the stipulation was that lyrics couldn't be changed, but everything else could. And so that's what he does with this, and it still works. He find he manages to make some of the songs that we were like, eh, about watching the Roger the old Rogers and Hammerstein version into something a bit more interesting. Cool. So uh, in LA it was workshopped but it didn't make enough money to move to Broadway. So they did an extended run, and and this was the workshop run, trying to get investors, but they couldn't get these investors. So they do an extended run in L.A. in 2001, and it had amazing reviews. It regularly sold out, and it was an all-Asian cast. Nice. And this cast included Filipina actress Leia Salonga. You said that... With the hope that I know who she is. You will recognize her as the singing voice of our mutual childhood cartoon crush, Jasmine, (gasps) as well as my other childhood cartoon crush, Mulan.
0: (laughs) Whoa, so it was the same singer? Same voice actress, yes. For both of them.
1: Yes. She is friggin' amazing. So, um, the show gained enough money and attention to be allowed a Broadway run, and then in revisions... A song became a casualty, and the next time it happens got the axe, because if n- if it's not good enough for one of Rodgers and Hammerstein's least memorable musicals, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it went to Broadway, and as we talked about last week, things didn't go well. It was panned by critics, <sighs> people didn't really... Yeah. That sucks. Which, wh- I, I haven't watched the full one that we're going to be seeing, because I wanted to try and see it with as fresh of eyes as possible. But listening to the soundtrack, I'm just going. Come on, come on, folks. Just just give this one a chance. Oh, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll be more willing to watch. Like this, I don't know if this will sound horrible or not, but I'm more willing to watch revivals or stories in general that are done by someone of the actual group that the show is about. No,
0: that makes more sense. I mean that generally makes more sense. It it you because there's the the deeper sense of of genuineness to yeah, it because yeah. it's somebody who actually is part of that community and has a mm-hmm. different perspective than, say, old rich white man.
1: Yeah. Like if they did a oh, I'm trying to think of which shows that A you would recognize and be well anyway i'm i'm getting off topic and i don't want to try to get off topic with this um but yeah it just it bothers me when people are more fawning over and uh, granted it was in the past that people were fawning over flower drum song and that critics were enjoying the old version but i feel like the new one has more depth at least from listening to it um so no awards were won by this version but as we talked about not even best conductor no but david huang was nominated for the tony for best book of a musical and the show was also nominated for best costume design by greg barnes and best choreography by robert longbottom (laughs) yep
0: (laughs) god damn it his name's Robert Longbottom. Mm-hmm. So Dick Fat Ass. Bob. Richard oh, not is Richard. Dick. Sorry, <laughs> I'm still stuck on uh, on that touching eulogy.
1: Well, you know, it,
0: it touched me deep inside,
1: as Richard did, as Richard did for all of us, and maybe when enough of the pain has gone away, one of his sons will maybe join the podcast. Maybe Richard Jr because
0: the carry out we I mean it's hard to do this show without without a Richard of the yeah humor family
1: yeah the 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 humor family humor johnson family uh Richard didn't take Peter's last name but uh his son is Richard Johnson Humor so go back to the long bottom okay long bottom uh <laughs> goddamn so this, when we're talking about licensing shows, this is the version that most people license now, rather than the older version. It still exists to be licensed, but this is the one that most people license, which...
0: Because we've matured as a society, at least a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I sit here and I go, okay, if this is the one that everyone licenses, why did critics hate it? and Or maybe not hate it, but pan it. And... Maybe it's just the fact that even with the stuff that uh David Huang was able to fix with it maybe it's still just a little bit Rogers and Hammersteiny
0: maybe I make, don't know I think it's peculiar that it did so well on the West coast and then when it went to the East Coast it didn't do so well yeah and I don't know if part of that is because stereotypically the west coast has a higher asian population Mm -hmm. than the east coast so maybe that contributed to it was audiences who were of that that ethnic background Mm -hmm. were more inclined to go see the show and enjoy it more and then it goes east coast and it's more yeah and different crowd
1: sometimes i don't agree with the east coast mentality of shows either because some of their opinions i go yeah but you're wrong
0: (laughs) (laughs) You, you, and I often don't agree with critics. So. That's true. That's true.
1: Um, so, yeah, I do wonder when they do the original version at schools or at uh, community theaters. I do wonder if they have the disclaimer before you see the show of this was done at a time when we were bigger jerks
0: than we are now (laughs) probably depends because i'm sure there's people who are still like ha ha it's funny i mean people i made made my fair share of stupid jokes but
1: yeah but you improve over like (laughs) you you recognize and then go i'm sorry and i'll try not to do it again whereas some of these people are just jerk butts um I, i don't know i just it's still complicated it's still really complicated, and so, yeah, but I, I wanted us to fully cover both versions of this show, so that you are able to see both versions, and I'm really glad that we are able to see both versions, because, yeah. Yeah. So, a little bit shorter of an intro this week than last week, just because I had covered so much last week, but... Yep. Yep. And we had to make room for that touching eulogy. We did, because it was legally required by the Johnson Humor family.
0: Um, it was in the uh, the small print of Richard's contract.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's weird that he had a stipulation for being thrown at a giant,
0: but... Maybe he was just a visionary. And maybe. He, he knew eventually we'll get into, into the woods.
1: Yeah, and the... Maybe, I don't know. Um, anyway, so... Are you ready to do the thrilling conclusion of our flower drum song saga.
0: I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Oh no,
1: we're covering that one in December. folks, we wanted to take a quick
0: moment to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu and Reagan, and our producer circle sponsor, Bianucci. Thank you so much for your
1: continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Now, let's hear a word from one of our favorite shows, History on Blast. And welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on Blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher.
0: Hello. Warren here with an exciting announcement for all of our lovely listeners in the Chicago area. Gray's Lake Central High School Theater is proud to present Kay's absolute favorite show, Godspell. But when, Warren, I hear you asking inside my brain cage. Friday, November 22nd through Sunday, November 24th, in this The Year of Our Lord 2019. Tickets are only $10 for the general public. For location and times, please check the web link in our episode description. And now, back to our show.
1: Welcome back. It, uh, thanks to that curse from the witch, I was sitting here crying at the ending, so... <laughs> and I am unscathed. Yep. Um, quick note, uh, I misspoke at the beginning. It is not a high school, This is, which I feel silly about. Um, this was actually the American Musical Theater of San Jose, which is decidedly not a high school performance. It is a decidedly professional theater. Which
0: made me first question, because I was like, that's a old-looking, bald high schooler, which does exist. Yes, we but, have seen them. But it did raise a question. We so. went
1: to school with old high schoolers <laughs> that were balding. Early bald. I went to college with someone going gray early, so...
0: I did, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, high school. So, but anyway. anyway.
1: So, yeah, so that's a change. And also, um, I wanted to do a thank you because uh we crossed 29k <laughs> or 2900 so not 29k that would be amazing 29k but i'm gonna
0: get naked and dance in the streets but he is and so maybe we shouldn't
1: do that as a goal i didn't say,
0: I didn't say when i'll just do it at like two in the morning when okay, everybody's asleep
1: okay. that's fine We'll we'll do that because i don't want to share you with anyone else And i'm so. gonna wait
0: till it's warmer because right now yeah you know, right now it would just you know, those external organs would become internal ones.
1: Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so thank you guys. That was, that was a fun thing to see, so.
0: (laughs) This version was really good. Oh my gosh. It it breaks my heart that this version didn't do well when it initially Mm -hmm. uh, went to Broadway because it's so much better. Broadway missed out. It's so much better. The only, I mean, and I kind of go back to my previous thought that it could have had to do with, there being a larger Asian community on the mm-hmm. West Coast versus the East Coast, and yeah. that played into it somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, regardless, this version was really, really good. Yeah, um, I have to give props to the the what what studio was it?
1: <laughs> uh, the American Musical Theater of San Jose. Yes, the American yes. Musical
0: Theater of San Jose. Uh, everybody in it did a marvelous job, mm-hmm. uh, and props to David Huang for fixing.
1: Yes. That
0: show because it needed fixing. (laughs) It definitely needed fixing. It, it was just, it was a spectacle and it's, it was a joy to watch and a joy to listen to. And I was just incredibly impressed with, uh, the set design and everything, Mm -hmm. all of the, the very authentic looking, uh, Chinese structures and, and especially Mm -hmm. costumes and everything like that. Okay. Anyway, anyway, (laughs) let's get into this. So, Flower drum song, the 2002 revival. We start this musical, as expected, with a drum in the dark and a woman who I assume is May Lee singing about how children continue to grow and rivers continue to flow. And those are just two of a hundred million miracles. (laughs) And those who do not agree are those who do not see? Wait, and those who do not agree... Okay, (laughs) ha ha ha, yes, (laughs) because... The way May Lee is doing it in the beginning, she's talking about that her father used to say that children always grow and rivers always flow and that plays into the hundred mi- million miracles and those who do not see those hundred million miracles are those who do not see in general. So mm-hmm. those who do not agree are those who do not see. Um, if I could read my own <laughs> words that I typed, I would have done better than butchering. Okay, we watch Mei on stage with... Her father being dragged away and killed by a bunch of Chinese communists doing the Nazi walk and carrying a banner of Mao. Good times, good times. After Mei Li's father is dragged away and killed off screen, Mei Li is, well, he's not killed off screen. They basically like crowd around him, and that's when he's killed. Like, you don't see them mm. kill him, but it's when he's dragged away, it's implied. Uh, after Mei Li's father is dragged away and killed, Mei Li is left understandably distraught. She is. Uh, signaled by another man to come with her, and thus begins the exodus out of communist China. And to the land of the free, the home of the brave, which these people are, holy shit are they brave. We get a heart-wrenching scene of different immigrants in the hold of a ship talking about their hopes for their new lives in a land where they are free to speak and live their truths. And uh, where they will be their own masters. It's it's really... Yeah. It is amazing how much they were able to show when they... Because, I mean, of course they couldn't have, like, a big-ass boat on the theater. Instead, mm-hmm. they had, like, these reeds. And they were doing a good job of indicating that there were a lot of people crammed into a very small area. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way that they would do it is one person would kind of pop up and... Kind of talk about what they're hoping mm-hmm. for to find in America, hoping
1: for their child to be born in
0: America, which is important later. Yeah. Um, um. So I just realized something. The guy that signals Mei Li to like come with him after her father's taken away is that yeah, Chow? I think so. Okay. It was I because we only see him briefly and then. Okay, I'm pretty. I'm yeah. gonna just say that that's Chow because that yeah, makes sense canonically. <laughs> it it so.
1: does make sense canonically. And, and you'll all
0: know who Chow is later.
1: Yeah. Because the video wasn't perfect so it was hard and but the, the audio was great that oh I will, my I gosh. Say one the thing. audio was so
0: good the audio for this was really good because like it was the, the way it was filmed is uh you know the further away people are a little bit blurry and then when it gets closer it's more in mm-hmm. focus um, but the audio, I mean, it's a musical, so the audio mm-hmm. is what's definitely the most important. And the audio was crystal clear, excellent. It was great for both of us with our audio processing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what was great about that, too, is you're like, I don't think we're going to have subtitles. And I'm just like, okay. But mm-hmm. then the audio was so crisp. It was it was excellent. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they're all kind of divulging their their hopes and their dreams about what they're going to find in america this concludes the intro with the immigrants arriving to california and being grateful that they are part of a hundred million miracles happening every day mm-hmm. the whole opening scene is done really really well yeah because it starts with the whole hundred million miracles with simple things like children growing and rivers flowing mm-hmm. and then Goes into these people trying to flee an oppressive land uh, to come to America to start a new life, mm-hmm. and the struggles and the trials that they go through trying to cross the Pacific in in yeah. less than humane conditions, and then arriving in America only to be kind of mm-hmm. spit upon by
1: yeah the and, people already there. Um, one of the things. To go back to the book, um, I highly recommend it because they do talk about some of the historical context of what's going on at the time. Um, Like, at the time that uh, people were immigrating to America and um, talking about the Chinese Exclusion Act, which played a big part in a lot of um, the issues with population and with not as many women being in America like Asian women, but then Asian men also weren't allowed to date white women because racism. Yeah. And so it was, and then they talk about once uh, World War II happens, you know, it's, oh, well, we are allied with China now. So uh, let's Let's suddenly try to get people back in, ha ha ha! But they still were like, oh, but we're gonna do it just in these, in these quotas. Which uh, <laughs> what does that sound like going on right now? So, well, I mean,
0: reducing of quotas rather than yeah, no, that quotas. was
1: the case though. Was that in all of Asian countries? You the annual amount of people who could immigrate was. 2900 people. That is not a lot. All Asian countries. That is not a lot at all. Yeah. Europe had 149,000, almost 150,000. That does for not the surprise annual me. Quota. So, you know, but anyway, so it's it's one of those things that when I I do recommend getting that book so that you also have that context watching
0: Flower Drum Song. This version, not. And the book is the other one. <laughs> like if if you're concerned, it's like a War and Peace. It's not. It's uh, not. It's, it's not a table breaker.
1: It's only like, that. It it ends. It's not even three hundred pages. It's not even two hundred fifty pages. You could you could, It's not big. It's not a big book. Buy Flower Drum Song. Don't take my word By for it. C Y Lee. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> rainbow. Okay, Lamar. Um One thing that uh, <laughs> one thing that I liked though was um, like you had been talking about about the set design. Another one part that got me kind of going, oh, was with the puppet for the little girl.
0: That yes, the In the, the, the beginning part uh, when she's yeah 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 talking talking about children growing, they have yeah a little puppet on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's
1: it's a type of when i was doing a theater school we had a uh, asian theater class that we did bunraku and kabuki and butoh which butoh will murder you <laughs> that's a newer one and it's crazy um but it it just flashed me back to that cuz uh, yeah it was it was really cool to see that <laughs>
0: every it, it, it was really it well was done. awesome okay okay Back to the white devil's notes. Um... (laughs) After the immigrants run off stage, the scene changes to an authentic Chinese opera scene, which turns out to be a practice session. Mei Li comes in and it turns out she's tracked down Master Wang, her father's oldest friend from China. Mei Li relates the sad news that her father has passed on to the world of spirits. Master Wang is sad to hear the news of his friend's passing, but welcomes Mei Li to her new family. Mei Li is very grateful for the hospitality, Especially on the part of Master Wong's son, Ta, who is happy to pawn off his opera duties onto Mei Li, since Ta is tired of wearing that dress. Mm-hmm. So Ta, the whole joke is that Ta has been playing the woman in these shows, and he's like, Ah, oh, finally! We can have someone else play the woman. I've been dying to get out of that dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes sense. I mean, you know. But <laughs> Ta gives Mei Li the 411 on the situation, saying the job comes with no pay. But since the opera house doesn't pull in much money, Master Wong lets Ta turn the place into a club on Fridays so they can make some money and keep the lights on. Ta offers to get Mei Li a job waiting tables and help her find a place to stay. Ta runs Mei Li through her steps in, uh, in the opera show. Uh, she's taking uh, sorry. Uh, Ta runs May Lee through her steps in the show she's taking his place in and the two bond slightly but it's obvious Ta has a thing for the amazing singer Linda Lowe who he books for the club on Fridays but that doesn't stop May Lee from singing about how she already likes Ta. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in this context he's talking about you know they have this opera house that's called the Golden Pearl but since you know their average crowd size on a Saturday night is six people. Mm. Uh, Ta is able to turn the place into a, a club, you know, on Friday nights, and he, he gets this singer, Linda Lowe, and that's where they basically rake in enough money to keep the lights on and keep the place from shutting down. Um, we get to see an awesome display of some Chinese opera, in which Mei Li rocks it and is given kudos by everyone. After Mei Li finishes her I'm going to like it here song, the scene changes to rehearsal for Friday's club scene, in which the backup dancers are shaking their groove things with no Linda Low. Ta is upset about Linda not being here for the rehearsal, but she shows up, sporting a new dress that she bought. Ta shows Linda the new number that was inspired by Mei Li and the traditional Chinese dancing, and brings out the opera dress. Linda is a bit of a bitch about it, showing that she's as low as ever, ridiculing the gorgeous the gorgeous traditional garment. Ta is like, please stop being a bitch and just do it. I'm your boss, after all. <laughs> Linda complies and comes out a bit later and doesn't know how to maneuver in the outfit. Mei Li is kind and shows her the basics of the long-sleeve robe, to which Linda is like, what, Ta? Did you hire a sleeve expert? I will say... um. Every single character in this version I like more than their counterpart in the other version. Me too. Including Linda Lowe, who yes. I was very hard on in... <laughs> who I...
1: I wouldn't have caught it if you didn't do the
0: face. <laughs> well, because I said it and then my brain went, wait a tick. Uh, <laughs> there's a sex joke there. Um, Who I was less than kind to in the previous version because... She's just a bitch. She's mm-hmm. just a not a very nice person. No, very there's... selfish, very self-centered, very just out for her. Granted, yeah. she's still kind of that way in this show, mm-hmm. but she has more uh, heart and soul to her and more depth. More depth, definitely, definitely more depth. Holy shit! Especially at the very end, yes, uh, which we'll talk about. But um, she's just she. Even though she was probably my least favorite character in the other version that we watched last week, uh, she's. Definitely better in this version. So, yes. like right away, I'm like, "Wow!" When you can make my least favorite character more likable, mm-hmm. it's already an improvement. Yeah. <clears throat> to show Linda the new number. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, sleeve expert. Ha. Huh. Linda. <laughs> Linda leaves the stage after flailing a bit with her sleeves. Ta gushes about Linda to Mei Li, who's like, "Have you asked her to marry you yet?" and Ta gives her the basic rundown of what dating is like in America. Mei Li is confused and thinks the Chinese way is easier. You marry the man before he has a chance to get to know you. Ta laments to Mei Li that Linda Low only dates white guys. Ta tells Mei Li that she should talk to Linda if she wants to know more about what it's like being a woman in America. Maylee takes Ta's advice and goes to talk to Linda in her changing room, where the costume manager, question mark, obviously gay stereotype guy, uh, whose name name is Harvard, (laughs) and we find out later why his name is Harvard, is trying to help coach Linda on her sleeve skills. Lee comes in to talk to Linda, who is getting ready for tonight's club show. Maylee is slightly appalled at how Linda is dressing, saying, You undress on stage? Uh, uh and low as ever linda is like well sex sells i have to show my female female physique to put asses in the seats which is i mean it's still true today to mm-hmm. an extent <laughs> but tna sells it does uh linda low sings her female female song to may lee talking about how great it is to be a hot young woman the song bleeds into the club scene and a significant lack of clothing, hence the asses in the seats, to (laughs) oogle at Linda's lower anatomy parts. Um, So in that scene, like, uh, this show actually went really fast. Like, I was very much surprised. I was kind of struggling to keep up. So um, after Ta talks to Linda, uh, sorry, talks to May Lee a little bit, and she goes to to talk to Linda, uh, I did kind of forget this part. um, Or maybe it's later. It might be later, but at one point in the show, whether it's this part or a little bit later, uh, Linda has zero interest in Ta. Zero, zero, zero. And she but she can tell that Mei May Lee thinks as she's talking about Ta, oh he's he's so nice and tall and, and she's like, Oh well you like him and she tries to kind of hatch this plan with May Lee like If you can get Ta to fall in love with you, that'll get him off my back. And so Mm -hmm. she's like coaching May Lee on things to do and kind of how to act a little bit to try and attract a man in America. Yeah, and And that's
1: what the I enjoy being a girl becomes in this. Yes. Rather than her just being rather than it being a dumb Broadway acid trip it's like yeah it's oh hey this all, is...
0: of, all of the songs are handled so much better in this version yes. and they fit the uh the mood they fit the the general theme of the show better yeah like, like just in general as a whole
1: yeah uh one thing with Linda's scene with May Lee was it was interesting this version they go into that Linda was the name she chose. That she wasn't mm-hmm. always Linda. She was Lo Lee, and I can't
0: remember the last name. Yeah, it was something Lee. It was like Lo Lee Ming or yeah, something like that. And she kept
1: getting teased that they, it was Lo Lee. Yeah, and, they're calling
0: her Lo Lee.
1: Yeah, and so she changes her name and changes her identity to fit in, and it's like each character you're seeing different slices of what this experience is trying mm-hmm. to
0: deal with being in America. Whether or not they like just how much they stay rooted in their mm-hmm. ancestry versus how much they uh, acclimate to America mm-hmm. and it <laughs> God, there's so much more depth in this show yeah um, but yeah that that is really good that's one of the parts that actually made me like Linda Moore. Yeah. Even though she's kind of a tot. Like, yeah, you know, but she does talk about she didn't like being teased, you know, their name sounded lowly. And she's like talks about tells Melee that in America, you can choose who you want to be. You can yeah. remake yourself, you get to decide mm-hmm. what you want to do. Yeah. And so and so the whole female female thing is done more of as an empowerment song. Yeah, it's supposed to be more of a female empowerment, even though she's basically saying we're only empowered by the fact that men want to fuck us.
1: Yeah, he it's one of those things where Huang had to still use those lyrics, but at least he was able to make it work.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did did a much better job mm-hmm. than, uh, than, uh, than Rogers Than the people and who wrote it in the first place. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So, so the Chinese guy does a better job of telling a story about Chinese immigrants than the, the older white guys? Right? Like that isn't
1: that isn't that just wild like galaxy brain god Uh,
0: (laughs) so after the after the half naked dancing scene of the female female song uh may lee was very impressed by the glitz and glamour of the nightclub scene and asks ta well was that really inspired by me to which ta replies of course except for the taking off the clothes part (laughs) Uh, what? Taking off clothes? Master Wong exclaims as he comes marching into the stage uh, in a partial opera outfit. He's not happy about the sex appeal of the show, calling it disgusting. Ta tells his old man that he's just jealous because Ta, Ta's show gets an applause and Papa Wong's opera does not. Papa Wong is like, Well, all it takes to get an applause from Americans is taking the clothes off a woman, to which Touche. I mean, even to this day, that's still a viable marketing strategy, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ta tries to tell Papa Wong that time changes, and it's not scandalous to have half-naked women on stage dancing. Mei Li tries to defend Ta's club scene by telling Papa Wong that back in China, when her father first put women in shows, Papa Wong defended him, telling the traditionalists, times change, and so must we. To which Papa Wong exclaims, times have changed too much. (laughs) <laughs> and he pulls the plug on Ta's TNA Friday nights. Ta is very upset about it, likely because it's the only reason Lo Linda comes around anyways. Mei tries to cheer up Ta by showing him her flower drum and telling him about how her father imparted words of wisdom by turning this begging drum into a dreaming drum and to play your dreams. For the more you dream, the more miracles you'll see. Mei Li tries to teach Ta some of the flower boat maiden, first singing to him and then having him sing to her. Mei Li then breaks into dance and Ta joins her, treating the audience to some lovely traditional Chinese dancing. They do a cool thing in this scene by having two actors behind Mei Li and Ta, but in full opera garb, mimicking the same steps. So it's a really The really dynamic scene, like, I really like the way they did it Mm because the dancing is a little bit more slow and fluid. So I'm sure it's easier to kind of uh, have two sets of dancers do the same thing to make it look like. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the way they're trying to do it is, you know, Ta and May Lee don't have the garb on. They're just dancing in regular clothes Mm -hmm. and then kind of shadowy behind them, but still illuminated so that you can see are, you know, two people in the full garb doing what would be presented to an audience. Yeah. And it just was very visually appealing. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was a good, it was a good one. Um... Ta and Mei-Li continue singing The Flower Boat Maiden to each other, and Ta is overcome by the passion of the moment and kisses Mei-Li. He apologizes to her for kissing her, and Mei-Li is like, Bitch, don't apologize. Because <laughs> she was like, what was he Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And she's like, I could not disagree more. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember specifically what he says about that, He was, but he was just like, Oh, like oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what came over me, kind of mm. thing. Um, But, okay, after that happens, uh, we get to see our first look at Madame Leong, who is very different in this version. In the last version, she was Master Wong's uh, Mm sister-in-law, so the sister of his his wife, yeah, so sister-in-law. In this version, she's not related to anybody. She is a talent agent. And we see her as she busts onto the scene to be like, I'm Linda Lowe's new manager, and I'm here to take over the nightclub and make us all rich. Yep. Papa Wong is like, Ta, get this obnoxious woman out of here. Ta tries, but is wowed by Leong, who is like, This place is great. Your ideas are great, Ta, and Linda is great. This is going to be great. (laughs) But Papa Wong is not having any of it. Ta explains to Leong and Papa Wong, uh, uh, sorry... Ta explains to Liang that Papa Wong is a traditionalist. Liang tries to melt Wong's icy heart by saying she's trying to improve the image of the Chinese in America, because what Americans think of when they think of China is opium dens, questionable cuts of meat, and other such things. Papa Wong is offended, calling it lies against the great culture of China. Liang is like, well, duh, but we have to do... But to, we have to wow Americans to change their minds. Mm-hmm. Papa Wong is like, okay, you get one show. Leong starts making res, uh, renovations right away. And Papa Wong does not like it. Trying to banish the demons who have taken over his opera house. It's great because he's, well, like renovations are going on and all this stuff. He's come, he's like, demons be gone. Yeah. Demons be gone. And it's just great. Everybody's like, ah, oh, he's. Papa Wong's just doing his Wong thing. The old master picked the Wong woman to go toe-to-toe with. As she's able to run circles around him and subvert his traditional views, going so far as to rename the opera house from the Golden Pearl to Club Chop Suey. Mm -hmm. Papa Wong is pissed. He does not recognize his own opera house and lashes out at everyone around him, calling them traitors and stomps off the stage in rage. And during this whole thing,
1: they take the song that is sort of in the second act of the movie that we saw, the Grant Avenue song, and they make it relevant to the show. Was that the Chop
0: Suey song that I didn't care for?
1: Uh, That was the oh, oh, that's parade. Someone... God, that, that was so... That was the parade that was so pointless. pointless so in, pointless in the other version. Yeah, and in this, they went, oh, well, let's actually make it mean something in this. So yeah,
0: and it was... It was, it was awesome. <laughs> so, again. <laughs> yeah, it was just far superior. An unknown delivery man comes to the stage looking for Master Wong, but finds Mei Li. It's another one of the immigrants who came with Mei Li. His name is Chow. who, as Kay and I were saying, we're pretty sure he's the one who... At the beginning of the show was like, come with me, Mei Li, we're going to escape China. Uh, and Chow obviously has a thing for Mei Li and even asks her out on a date. Mei Li is like, I don't know, I'm kind of have a thing for Ta, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Speaking of Ta, uh, speaking of Ta Devil, Ta comes out yelling at Chow for how long the delivery took. Chow is like, bitch, you best check yourself before I wreck you. Mei Li is like, it's okay, Chow is cool. Ta tries to tip Chow, saying, no hard feelings. Chow tosses it back at uh, Ta with the quip, no hard feelings. And <laughs> then asks Mei Li to think about his offer. It's a really good exchange between the two of them. Because mm-hmm. he's delivering fortune cookies. And I can't remember, like, Ta says something about, like, oh, we expected those cookies an hour ago. What took you so long? And he's like, they had to come all the way from China or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but when... Uh, He's kind of blowing up on Chow. Mei Li's like, "Oh, it's fine. You know, he's okay." Mm-hmm. And uh, he, when he goes, to give him a coin, and the way he does it is kind of condescending. Like yes. he pulls out this tiny coin, puts it in his hand. He's like, "No hard feelings." And then Chow, with his open palm, just kind of throws it back at him, and Ta catches it, and, Chow, and Chow's like, "No hard feelings." Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chow has a thing for Mei Li, and we find out a little bit later, he feels emboldened to ask her out because it sounds like Mei Li is from a more prestigious family, whereas Chow was just like a farmer. Yeah. So, so there is like a class disparity, uh, disparity there. Mm-hmm. Ta is like, was that guy hitting on you? Mei Li says, no, he just asked me to dinner. Ta inquires if Mei Li, uh, likes Chow, and she says, I don't know because i I've, been studying american courtship rituals with linda Toss steps on that right away being like don't <laughs> listen to linda she's a different class of woman to which melee is like thanks i guess i love that line just the linda's the kind of person that you'd take to the coconut grove or to
1: the top of the mark and you're not that kind of woman <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah he just inadvertently insults her
1: uh, oh god <laughs>
0: Ta sings about how women are all different, but what a man wants is a woman that he can be comfortable around, a woman who inspires him to be a good man. As he's singing about this, he kisses Mei Lee. Again! Because cause Ta doesn't know what he wants. Ta is like, I have an egg roll for Linda. I should stop kissing you. Mei Lee is like, I'd love to have oh your egg roll, Ta. Oh, God. See, I had to find substitutes for wang jokes.
1: Oh, my God. Because
0: they're wang, not wang. But what else is Chinese? Egg rolls. Those are actually probably American, but...
1: Oh, God.
0: Mei Li goes to confide in her BFF, Linda, about kissing Ta. And Linda's like, damn, off the boat, girl, you move fast. Mei Li tells Linda, Ta says he wants me he wants to tell me something tonight. Do you think he's going to tell me that he loves me? Linda is like, well, let's sweeten that bait, and has the uh, other dancing girls dress May Lee up in one of Linda's pink dresses, all the while complimenting May Lee on her body and saying that she should show it off more. While May Lee is singing about how she's also a female female, we see a devious Linda... Uh, macking on ta saying that she has a surprise for him after the show you know it's one of those things that's kind of bizarre because for someone who doesn't have a thing for ta she sure is like
1: yeah flirty yeah and
0: she even goes up and kisses him in that scene Mm -hmm. uh so because in the scene you know linda or sorry may lee comes to linda to be like oh ta just kissed me oh my god oh my god and linda's like "Ooh, okay you're gonna get him off of my back and onto yours uh so let's let's make you more desirable and that's when they dress her up in one of her dresses but then when and then melee comes out in this pink dress and she's feeling very confident you know she's been told that she's pretty mm-hmm. and stuff like that so she's feeling very confident about herself she's uh got a thing for Todd. and is hoping that he's gonna say that he has feelings for her, because he's fucking kissed her twice already. Yeah. Uh, And in that scene where she's sitting kind of at Linda's uh, makeup table, um, just singing about how she's also a female female, but it's much more kind of reserved and quiet. Like, she's almost like, Oh my gosh, I never thought that... I would be pretty. Like, kind of has that tone to it. And then we see Linda telling Ta, I've got a surprise for you tonight. And Ta's like, oh boy, she's going to take my egg roll. And then she goes up and kisses him. And it's like, bitch, mixed signals. Don't. You can't be like, I'm not interested in this guy. Come here, guy, I'm not interested in. Yeah, that was weird. That was a really weird moment. In an otherwise... (laughs) Not weird show. <sighs> Freaking Linda. Okay. Uh-huh. Low Linda and her backup dancers do another half-naked sassy dance on this grand opening night of Club Chop Suey. Papa Wong is not happy with all of the half-naked shaking of body parts, but one of his underlings comes to tell him that the mayor of San Francisco is coming to the show. Papa Wong is like, The mayor?! here and rushes off stage leaving linda and the fangirls to finish their tna display (laughs) papa wong is up in the manager's office with leong being like this kind of thing requires no talent anyone can do it madam leong tells him yeah you're you're excuse me yeah you're uh above having people here happy and applauding Wong's underlings come back saying, It's confirmed! The mayor is coming to the third show! And everyone is understandably very excited. Papa Wong, now having a bit of success, is like, Okay, but that guy singing The Vagabond Sailor, he's too gay to be doing that song. Liang tells him that in exchange for giving him a lead part in that song, he made all of the costumes for free. Cheap Chinese labor, am I right? God damn it. Anyways... Papa Wong is like, but I want to be on stage dancing with women, and sneaks on stage and dances with a bunch of Chinese girls dressed as women from around the world in the Vagabond Sailor song. The costume designer is not pleased and is like, that's my costume. To which Papa Wong replies, yes, and that was wrong of me to take it. But the first rule of being an actor is to do anything it can to get on stage. (laughs) Madame Leong is like, now isn't that more satisfying than opera? Of course it's not, says Papa Wong, but it was more fun. Papa Wong is now converted to the glitz and glamour and decides to change his name to Uncle Sammy Fong and fully embraces the showbiz lifestyle. Uh, it is kind of a... it's His character is more interesting, too. Yeah. Because he's the starts out being the traditionalist, curmudgeonly mm-hmm. uh, old Chinese guy. And then he starts to have, he starts seeing uh, his place of business be full of people. And he's like, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. And he kind of gets converted to it as well. And uh, and then he's like, what was it they say? Because people have, people change their names. I can't remember how he mentions it, but he talks about stage names. He's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to change my name. He's like, who's the American uncle with the white beard? And they're like, Uncle Sam? Like, you want to be Uncle Sam? He's like, what about Uncle Sammy? Uncle Sammy Wong. Sammy Fong! He's like, I will be Uncle Sammy Fong. And that's where Sammy Fong is in this. Yep, so rather than being kind of a wannabe gangster sleazy nightclub owner, he is the curmudgeonly old man and Mm -hmm. father of the... Who is Father the, of Ta. Who's the ultimate theater dad. Yeah, he he really is the ultimate theater dad. I mean, because that was his thing that he did in China was opera, and then immigrated to America to do opera for Western audiences who don't have the same appreciation I, for it. I
1: don't know if there's a male version of a Mama Rose, but there needs to be one. Mama Rose? We'll get to it later. <laughs> <clears throat> I Ta- realized you've never seen that
0: show. What show is it? Um, it's... You can at least tell me the name, just so I know.
1: Well, the name is Technic. The name is a slur. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, shit.
1: But eventually we'll have to cover it, cause musical theater.
0: Well, fuck yeah. me. Yeah. Fuck me with an egg roll. Uh, Ta is excited <laughs> about the success and goes to see Linda and see what her big surprise is. Turns out it was. The dolled up Mei Li and not Linda's low parts like Ta was hoping for. <laughs> Ta freaks out and calls Mei Li a consolation prize, but doesn't catch his tongue before he hurts Mei Li's feelings. Ta attempts to go over uh, to go after Mei Li as she rushes off uh, to fix the mess that he's made, but is stopped by Papa Wa I mean, Uncle Sammy Fong and <laughs> Madame Leong, who are happy about being invited to dinner by an American actor. And since Sammy has not heard of him, they must be very famous. <laughs> ta decides that he'll have to smooth things over with Mei Li later and goes with his father, Madame Leong, and Linda to the waiting crowd. So, in that scene, ta shows up and he's like the new show was a big success, Linda. Where's that surprise you have for mm-hmm. me? And that's when she's like, right here. It's
1: like, oh, do you want to go to the coconut? Oh, that's right. Like, the top want... of the mark. And she's yeah, like,
0: basically, like, right like, idea, wrong girl. Yeah, right idea, wrong girl. And she's trying to be like, look, I've turned this, this off the boat Chinese girl into an American woman. Now you can take her out and leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and uh, Ta is just, he's a real douchebag in that scene because he's like oh you just think you can put her in one of your old dresses and give her as a consolation prize give her as a consolation prize and it's uh, i feel so bad for yeah. me in that because she's just super excited she thinks that you know ta's gonna take her on a mm-hmm. date and things are gonna be all romantic instead she gets kicked in the heart yeah so may lee sneaks away from the club deciding that this was the wrong place for her and she'll start over somewhere else The curtain falls, and Act 1 is over. Act 2 opens up with Chop Suey Song and a new popular Chop Suey Club. The Uncle Sammy serenades the crowd with his Chinese delicacies, (coughs) women, and gives some innuendos. Basically, in that song, he's, he's implying that Chinese cuisine... Is delicious like these women. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to put into words because you have these women in like these Chinese takeout box costumes, (laughs) and then they have like lights on the inside of the costumes that come on, but it's right where like their breasts and vagina would be Mm -hmm. inside of the boxes, so it's like implying you know, open up and die, you know, pig and like you know, open up and eat your fill something like that other sex jokes eat something <laughs> eat something like an egg roll uh sammy is in the office with leong talking about all the money that they're making and how nothing buys the respect of the white man like a little green ta is like dad don't you think you're going a little far but uncle sammy dressing up like uncle sam is like what do you mean i have this great idea for a confucius bit where i make chinese jokes and in an odd invert of the previous scene, Ta would like the club to be a little more authentic. And Papa Wong, Sammy Fong, Papa Wong, Sammy Fong is like, "But we're successful, isn't this what you wanted?" Ta bails on the conversation, and Linda Lowe laments that her agent has kept her doing these shows instead of helping her reach Hollywood. In a previous scene, you know, the after the agent si- signs Linda, and is talking about making all the changes to the club, mm-hmm. she's basically like you know, oh, I'll get you to Hollywood. Like you're going to be famous. You're going to be big, you know. Yeah. Kind of thing, but because of the success of the show at the uh Club Sui, the agent hasn't really done much because why would she? There's this cash cow here. Let's yeah. keep milking it. Uh, oh my god, Sammy Fong is so funny in this scene though because he has he has just full on gone into I've abandoned any any desire to do my traditional Chinese yeah. opera, which I've trained in my entire life and instead I'm just gonna make sexual innuendo songs to scantily clad women and dress up like a Chinese uncle Sam mm-hmm. and it's yeah and he does a couple Confucius jokes. Uh, one of them was two Wongs don't make a right and two Wongs don't make a white a white Oh yes. <laughs> two Wongs don't make a white. That's better. That's even. I mean, it's still, you know. Yeah. It's the kind of stupid-ass joke I would make, but... uh, Oh, man. (laughs) So, Ta is dancing in the dark after he, you know, leaves... uh, After he leaves his father's office and he's, like, upset that the club has gone the way that it has. He's dancing in the dark, reliving his opera dance training. And his uncle is like, if only your dad had not made you wear a dress... (laughs) Ta confides that he is worried that this place is becoming a Chinese minstrel show. And Ta's Uncle Chin tells him that he should be proud of himself for enabling his father to make a mockery of their tradition and culture for the purpose of profit.
1: You know what this reminded me of a little bit was Bamboozled, except it ends happier than
0: Bamboozled. Yeah, I haven't seen Bamboozled. (laughs) We'll watch it someday and you'll be mad. Oh boy. Papa Wong is being more like his uh, so uh Uncle Chin tells Ta that Papa Wong is being more like his old spunky self but with less of his good taste. Mm-hmm. Uh and he has a great thing he's talking about. You've got you, you should be proud cuz Ta's lamenting about how the way the club has gone, and his dad isn't the guy he was before and his uncle Chin is like you should be proud of yourself. I mean you've gotten your dad to pull the stick out of his ass and and subvert <laughs> all of his values for the sake of money. It's like, that's no easy feat. Yeah. Uncle Chin asks Ta if he's still looking for Mei Li, who has apparently been MIA for an undisclosed amount of time. We don't really know how much time has passed since she left. And Ta is like, yeah, but I don't know what I'd say if I did find her. Chin sings about how he met his wife and that he had to have bad relationships before he found his one ta thinks that may Li might be his one and uncle chin lets it slip that may lee is working at the fortune cookie shop and ta rushes off to hopefully make amends for his fuck uppery from the previous act in that scene um because i'm trying to like i was saying before this show actually moves at a pretty decent clip yeah it was as i'm my notes are a little bit incomplete as i was trying to uh write stuff down but in that scene um ta is talking to chin and they're arguing about love and he says well you don't know what you're talking about chin like you've been with the same you've only been married to the same woman for forever and he's like yeah fuck me right what do i know about <laughs> love if i've only been with one woman and then in his song he sings about how you know he you know he think thought his first one was going to be the one and like you have these other relationships and you realize that those end because you need to be able to find the one that you'll be with. That his his true love was his last love, yeah. And that's the woman that he married.
1: Yep, and that's I believe
0: the song that had been cut out during the Boston tryouts. Uh, okay, and I mean, I could see at least in the other version how it would be hard to do that yeah. song. Yeah, but in this, I mean, yeah, but in this version it fits really, really mm-hmm. well, um, especially in this moment where Ta is kind of like, "My life sucks, and I've." I've caused some of it myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So, Ta rushes off to go find Mei Li, who's at the fortune cookie shop. Mei Li and Chow are working together at the cookie shop. Chow is still trying to put the moves on Mei Li, but she's not having any of it and just wants to be friends. Chow tells her that he wants to take her away to Hong Kong, but Mei Li wants to keep giving America a chance. Ta comes in to apologize to Mei Li, and Chow tries to confront him, but delivery is up! Hop, hop to it, Chow! And Chow has to run off to the stage because duty calls. Ta and Mei Li are now able to have a private heart-to-heart in front of all the other fortune cookie stuffers. Ta tries to convince <laughs> Mei Li. <laughs> what?
1: I don't think that's what it's called, but okay.
0: They're taking fortunes and stuffing them inside of cookies, like fortune cookie stuffer. I feel like that fits just fine. Anyway, Ta Ta tries to convince Mei Li to give him another chance, but Mei Li is not having any of it and instead decides to take Chow up on his offer to move to Hong Kong. Mei Li even offers up her drum to Chow in order to sell it for boat money sammy and leong sing the don't marry me song and it's fucking great between these two Mm because they have so much chemistry and after the song and dinner number the two put on their coats i think i think i meant to have a break there between those two notes and i totally didn't do it (laughs) so when ta goes to talk to Mei lee uh and she's at the shop chow initially kind of is confrontational like she doesn't want you here you better leave Mm -hmm. but then they're like hey delivery up and chow's like fuck and goes off stage because he's got to make a delivery and ta is trying to talk melee into giving him another chance but she's like nope don't want to you know you you kissed me twice you shouldn't have kissed me at all if you didn't have an interest because like she makes some very valid points but she's just i mean she's really hurt yeah so it's like i get her not wanting to accept his apology yeah but she she is not into chow even though chow it's 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 this sad thing because chow really loves her or at least it seems like he really loves her Mm -hmm. wants to try and and take her somewhere where they can have a prosperous life together, but Mei Li is just she, Chow is her consolation prize. Mm-hmm. Is kind of how it is. Yeah, and Chow seems okay with that.
1: And <laughs> I can't remember if this is where it happens or if it's later when she's telling Ta that he makes her feel ashamed to be her. It's it's in it's in this in, scene. This scene, I'm pretty yeah, sure, because he's like, "Oh, you make me feel." all these great things and stuff. And she's like, you make me
0: feel ashamed. Well, cause, uh, cause Mei is talk. cause when Chow was first like, well, when they're in the cookie shop and Chow's basically trying to be like, I want to be more than just friends. And Mei like, no, no, we're just friends. Yeah. And he's like, you still have a thing for Ta. He's like, Ta... Isn't gonna love you for you because he wants an American woman. You're too Chinese, mm-hmm. and that's when you know later on she brings that up, saying to him that Tom makes her feel ashamed to yeah. be what she is, which is a Chinese immigrant. Yeah, but she's she's too Chinese for the American boy. Mm-hmm. Is kind of the the tone there, um, and and so after. And so when when Mei Li is is arguing with Ta, that's when she, uh, Chow comes back on the stage. He's got his deliveries, and Mei Li is like, "Well, I can't give you another chance because Chow and I have decided to move to Hong Kong." And Chow's like, oh, "Really? Like, okay, awesome." And then Ta's kind of like, oh, "Well, I wish you, I wish you both the best," and kind of goes off stage with his tail between his legs. And Chow is super excited, and Mei Li is just sitting there, kind of like, "Well." I'm stuck between two options I don't really want is yeah. her view. And then it goes to Sammy uh, and Liang who go out to dinner mm-hmm. and they go to some other Chinese restaurant and they see like the owner and he's like, oh my gosh, you're Sammy Fogg. And he's like, shh, I'm trying to keep a low profile. I just yeah. want to have, I just want to have a nice dinner. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy that you're here to grace my presence and uh, here, have some food for free on the house, you know. Mm-hmm. And we get we get the song from uh, the other version, the Don't Marry Me song. Mm-hmm. but it's it it fits so much better in mm-hmm. this scene because Sammy and Leong have great chemistry with each other. They're both you know older individuals. Um, they're having dinner and they're just talking about you know how how great the other one is. And, and I can't remember how it goes on to... Oh, yeah, she, uh, uh, Liang is talking about how, oh, she used to be a Hollywood starlet, you know. She was like, I was the girl in, you know, any time that... Uh, the bombed... Japanese village was being yeah, bombed. Yeah, any time a Japanese village was being bombed, I was the girl, you know, screaming. Ah! Kind of thing. And, and she's like, but that kind of fame doesn't last forever. And. Yeah. And then, you know, your looks start to fade, you gain a couple pounds and then a new girl shows up and, Mm -hmm. you know, you find yourself not having any skills. So I became uh, an agent, you know, what else could I do? Mm -hmm. And then that's when Sammy's like, oh, I wouldn't say that your, your looks have faded. And she's like, oh, Sammy. And that's when the two start kind of flirting. And he says something about like, oh, I wouldn't ever, I would never, you know, be with a married woman or something like that. And she's like, you're, you're married, right? because she's been wearing a ring on her married finger. Mm -hmm. And then that's when she's like, Oh, force of habit. And then she reveals that she's been divorced four times Mm -hmm. and she, and the two of them are kind of, and Sammy's kind of probing like, Oh, maybe we should get together. And she's like, let me stop you right there. I am the worst wife. Just check (laughs) the court records kind of thing. And then, uh, sammy's talking about oh i'm not an easy husband and they have the best song where they're doing the don't marry me and it's Mm. so fucking great between those two yeah so great and then they're done with their dinner and they're putting on their coats and getting ready to leave and sammy's like oh so i'll see you at the club tomorrow and she's like no it's our day off aren't you looking forward to it and he's like no and he's just looking at her when he says that she Mm -hmm. goes oh sammy that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever said to me. And then she, yeah. takes, she takes his arm and the two of them walk off and it's just, it's just super it's so cute. It's super cute. Yes. I like it. Okay. And they leave the restaurant together. Back at Club Chop Suey, Linda is trying to sneak away with Harvard, the costume designer, who we find out was named Harvard because his parents wanted him to be a doctor, which I didn't, oh yeah, Harvard Medical School. I always associate Harvard with lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> not doctors. Anyway, uh Ta catches Linda as she's trying to sneak away and tries to go with her to Hollywood to start their own thing. Linda go- gives Ta the hard truth that she does not love him and never will love him. Ta calls her racist cuz she doesn't cuz she only dates white men. Ta is a beggy boy and Linda is like, "Okay, I'm leaving at this time if you want to come. She says, I'm leaving at the. I'm leaving on this bus at 7 a.m. You know, if you want to come, be there. Uh, I guess you can, but uh, I still don't love you. We're all, you know, and she tells him that we're too much alike. Linda tells mm-hmm. Ta that she saw Chow pawning Mei Li's drum. And Ta is like, what? She can't do that. Linda is like, uh, yeah, this is America. People give up on their dreams all the time once mm-hmm. they get here. uh so in that scene it's uh, this is this is the scene that you're talking about that really gave Linda like you get yeah you get depth with her when she talks about what her Chinese her name was is, and but... how she changed her name to Linda Lowe because she wanted to remake herself in America mm-hmm. um, but then she talks about why she doesn't date Chinese men she's like I she likes to date white men because she feels more accepted she's like if if i'm out with a with a white guy no one ever tells me to go back where you came from mm-hmm. kind of thing and and oh god it's such a powerful scene between the two of them because ta is like why don't you like me it's because i'm chinese isn't it and kind of thing it's it's just a it's just a really good scene you get yes. that, that that very accurate and entirely factual thing that's like, because I know, I mean, that is just so goddamn true. Even to this day, you get people mm-hmm. who are like, go back to where you came from. And it's yeah. like, bitch, fuck you. How long have you, has your family been in this mm-hmm. country? It's like four generations at the most. Eat shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, oh, that scene was like a punch in the heart right there. Yeah. But it, it gives a lot of depth into Linda because she wants so much to be an American girl she mm-hmm. so much wants to assimilate into the culture she really doesn't care at all for her chinese heritage like mm-hmm. she's like i would throw it out if i could but i can't yeah um
1: it, it it's why this version is so much better is because it shows every viewpoint that you could or maybe not every viewpoint but it shows more viewpoints than just the superficial stuff that the movie
0: did that doesn't even touch on anything really. You know what my favorite thing about this version versus the other one is? Hmm. No uh auctioning of daughters and uh being like, "Take a look at my daughter yeah. and see that she is of prime and breeding stock." No weird Broadway
1: acid trips. No weird and... Broadway
0: acid. Yeah, that's actually true. No weird Broadway acid trips. If- the show moves at such a good pace that everything happening is relevant to the situation going on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's. Like, oh, what the fuck? What's going on? Why did they put this in here? Everything happening makes sense for the context of the show. Yeah,
1: and that's why it baffles me that this didn't do better. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it really, like, uh, out of a lot of the shows we've seen, I really, really like this one. Actually, it might have made people uncomfortable. (laughs) That's probably the truth. Because that's what generally happens, is if it makes people uncomfortable... Specifically, white people, then
0: yeah, this it's not gonna do well. You're absolutely right. It's like, oh, don't, don't, don't bring up the dark periods of our history. Everything is perfect. There's never been anything wrong We've ever. Never been mean to anybody ever in our lives. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, but in that scene, um, when Ta is basically begging Linda to take him with her to Hollywood. It's mm-hmm. it's really pathetic um, on Ta's part. Pining, like, just begging to accompany a woman who doesn't love him yeah. somewhere. It's just like, dude, man up, like, a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, but I can't remember how it comes into being talked about, but Linda, when Ta is, like, saying, oh, I'll go with you, and then Linda's, she, I can't remember how she brings it up, but she basically says that uh drum was sold. I don't remember if she says that she actually did see Chao she doesn't say
1: that she saw chow selling it and i think it was because of uh ta basically saying uh nothing's going right for me my dad's done this to the club may lee is gone you're leaving you're the last option basically and she's like oh yeah i did see may lee's drum hanging at the pawn
0: shop and that's when he goes, what? That's right. Like, she, she can't sell her drum. Yeah. It's her dream drum. Uh, Mei Li is on the boulevard of broken dreams, listening to all the different Chinese people who are lamenting about how America has fucked them over. A physicist who is scrubbing floors. A woman who was brought over on a lie. Um, we don't really get much of what she was saying she's just like everything that he told me was a lie he said come to america i'll take care of you but obviously that didn't pan out mm-hmm. uh, a mother who can't take care of her children which is the one who was talking about she wants her kid to be born in america yep and so like, then oof. she's sending
1: that same baby back to hong kong yeah and saying that she'd send for
0: him when she has money yeah that's that's hoof okay it's very sad and to top it off may lee is singing about how she'll never dream again and to look away from her chow shows up to be like what the fuck i paid a guy good money where's the boat son of a pig whore but nicer chow sees that may lee is a pig whore (laughs) Chow sees that mei Li is sad and is like, I promise to make you happy. mei Li is like, then kiss me, you fool. Chow kisses her, but it wasn't that great because he's in a panic, concerned about the smuggle ship that they're supposed to be boarding, and runs off after the kiss to find their boat. Uh, Chow comes back after mei Li finishes her song for a real kiss, but Ta shows up to give mei Li the drum that Chow pawned and he begs her to not give up on that piece of her. Mei Li is like, I thought you were going to Hollywood with Linda. Ta is like, she left at 7, the pawn shop didn't open till 10, and he says that I wish the both of you the best, and then Ta leaves. Chow is like, why didn't you tell me that this drum was so important to you? Mei Li tells him that if she had, she never would have agreed to leave with him to Hong Kong. The two have a bit of a spat. And Mei Li decides to stay in America, and Chow leaves to go to Hong Kong. So in that scene, like uh, Mei Li's very upset, and when Chow shows up to be like, "Where is he? Like, oh, I paid good money. Where's the boat?" and and you can tell that Mei and I think he thinks that Mei Li is upset about like the circumstance. Like he, that's the thing is like Chow doesn't know her well enough to know what she's really upset about. Yeah, and and it's so funny when he's like i promise to make you happy if you want to make me happy then kiss me and mm-hmm. gives her the kiss but then he's like looking around so he kind of like oh well like it's not he, it wasn't a uh fully passionate romantic kiss it was like yeah. a well if you say so and then when he's coming back after he found the boat he's like now i'm here for a real kiss uh but yeah and so Todd bought them bought her drum back for her and it is, it is good when he, like, the part where he gives her the drum back and he's saying, like, whatever you do, don't give up on that dream. hmm And it apparently spoke enough to her. Uh, oh, God. And then there's, in the spat that uh, Mei Li and Chow have, Chow's a bit of, I mean, understandably, he's but he's a bit of a dick because he basically tells her, he may love you now, but what about tomorrow? You yeah. Know, what about later down the road? Like, he's... He basically calls him a fickle, fake Chinese man. Like, mm-hmm. he's not really going to take care of you or, or support you or care about you. And Mei Li is like, well, I believe in him. And then mm-hmm. Chow's like, and he, then he grabs his bags and he's heading to the ship. And he says, for the rest of my life, I will never understand you. Yeah. And goes off. And Mei Li goes after Ta. Back at Club Chop Suey, Ta is attempting to revitalize the Chinese opera scene much to the perplexity of those who are like, but the half-naked dancing girls and veiled sexual jokes are popular. Uncle Sammy Fong reverts to his previous form and dances with his son in the traditional sense. Papa Wong confides in his son that things could have been better or things would have been different if his mother had not died since she was so amazing and a better and better than him in certain ways. Mei Li comes back and Papa Wong tells everyone to take the day off and give the two lovebirds some space to talk. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's actually a really nice scene between Master Fong and Ta. Yeah. Because Ta's, you know, doing the traditional dancing, da-da-da-da-da, and then he yells at the the girl that's in the costume dancing with him being like you're doing it wrong and and she's like well no one in the audience is gonna know kind of thing she's like flailing her long sleeves in his face and then papa fong comes in he's basically like okay well i'll dance with you but i can't remember if he says you oh yeah but that's right he says if if i would have been the girl maybe i could have gotten you to to do this more instead of making you be the girl and that's when he's telling him about his mom and like, your mom was such a great person. She, you know, if she hadn't died, this would have been different because, you know, I, she was better at this than I was. Mm-hmm. And he's just basically leaping all this praise, heaping all this praise onto Ta's uh, dead mother. And it's it's just a really, because the, the father and son are so confrontational most of the show that it's nice to have them have this moment. Yeah. This, this kind of heartwarming moment where they're, bringing down their walls and kind of confiding in one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but then mei shows up, everybody else is kicked off stage, and Ta is happy mei is back, and sings about how she makes him feel like a god. Ta and mei have some smoochy time, and the two, in a roundabout way, decide to go steady and date. mei is like, "'We must talk to my dead father and ask for his blessing.' The two of them take a knee and commune with the spirit world." Ta promises that he will be a good man to Mei Li. This scene made me cry. And Mei and Li <laughs> says that Ghost dad agrees to let him date her. The two seal the supernatural agreement with more smoochy face. So basically, like, you know, because it, it is a really cute scene, but then, you know, in a roundabout way, like, you know, Ta kisses Mei Li, and then she kisses him back, and she's like, well, if we're dating, like, you need to ask for my father's blessing yeah and so that's when they take a knee and just basically talk to the spirit world you know um and ta gives a really good speech just saying you know i i will take care of her i will be good to her i will you know and at the end of her long life you know you'll she'll be able to say that i was with someone who loved me yeah and she has a good line saying that uh i feel like my father uh would be able to let me go because I found somebody who loves me as much as he did. Yeah. And it was just, it was really, really touching. Um, And then they seal the supernatural agreement with a kiss. (laughs) The scene changes to Club Chop Suey's new show scene, which appears to be a combination of traditional Chinese opera and more modern dance style. We get a brief recap of the other people in the show and what they've been up to. Harvard bought his mother a watch to take some of the pressure off of his little brother, Rolex. So it seems like his family, they named their children after what they want them to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're Harvard because we want you to go to Harvard. You're Rolex because we want a gold watch. I don't know. But his brother, Rolex, uh, Linda Lowe is an actress with bit roles in movies, playing the screaming girl in Villages Being Bombed, just like Leon. And, uh, well, you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Papa Wong and Madame Leong got married, and the Wongs agreed uh, agreed to let Ta and Mei Li do opera performances in the club on Mondays, as well as letting them get married there. A reprise of A Hundred Million Miracles closes out the final scene of the show. And before we get to this next part, what I
1: love with that recap was... What they were talking about, what Mei Li and uh, Ta were doing in oh at the harbor, they were doing the flower drum Chinese opera performances, but telling new stories about life in America. Yeah,
0: and so it was sort of it was that fusion. Yeah, it was that fusion of taking the traditional art form but telling new stories with that traditional art form. Yeah, and yeah, and they were basically doing yeah, like Kay was saying, they were doing that. Uh, in the harbor, basically begging for money. Um, Yeah, And that's when, because the, the Fong, well, I should say the Wongs, the Wongs, um, when they heard about that, they're like, well, stop performing in the street. We'll give you one night a week to perform, you know, your fusion style dance numbers, uh, at the club. Yeah. And have it be an opera night. (laughs) And have it be an opera night. Uh, the rest of it is just TNA wall to wall. Uh, But then uh, May Lee and Ta, you know, get married and they and then they host the uh, ceremony at the Opera House. Mm. And they do a really, really cool thing in this version where kind of in the closing part, they're talking about how everybody... Well, they're talking about, you know, America is where people um, um, can pursue their dreams, they can be who they want, and they talk about how and this is where the kind of the veil comes down from the show, and it's more about the actors. And mm-hmm. a spotlight will shine on these individual actors, and they are talking about where they're from in America, mm-hmm. and they, or outside or, of America, or outside of America. You know, I you know, and they're like Seoul. You know, the Hiroshima, born, Japan. I was born in Japan. You know, I, I'm from San Francisco. I'm from Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm from, you know, Philadelphia. Like mm-hmm. they're and they're from all over the U.S. And it's just a really good. Example of how diverse America really is. Like, yeah. I mean, granted, there's still a lot of racist white people, but yeah. when you yeah. re- when you remove them, <laughs> there's the good white people and everybody else. <laughs> so,
1: I almost made a Greenland joke and then decided against it. Greenland?
0: Well, oh, oh! I for saying Greenland. that's, that where, Green that's Book.
1: where you know all of. The racists can just... Oh. In the part of Greenland that no just, one lives in. Just yeet them out
0: of this fucking country. Just <laughs> just yeet them. Just yeet them. Yeet. I, I, I imagine like this catapult. No, it's trebuchet, but with a boot on the end. And it just... Poof. <laughs> just punting racists. <laughs> that would be so nice. Oh, oh my gosh. But, but... The, the show ends in a, in a very very good way it, it ties up the loose ends it, it brings everything together it it and i like the the recap well, what's cool too is linda low in that part talking about when she got the wedding invitation she's mm-hmm. like i knew i had to go yeah so it was great that that she didn't harbor any resentment towards ta yeah and it's like and especially in towards women well, I then again there was never there was never any negative feelings between her and uh may Lee. yeah she mostly was just kind of in the beginning, she was kind of cynical towards Mei-Li. Like, oh, you're just you're just some off-the-boat girl. Like, you mm-hmm. don't know anything. But then, you know, she's nicer to her over the course of the show.
1: Yeah, grows to love
0: her. Grows to love grows her. And grows to be protective of her. Yeah, and then, exactly. And grows to be protective of her. And then grows to be, I'm going to punch Todd in the face over. Yeah. <laughs> this version was so much better oh than the other gosh. one. Oh, my gosh. It was so much better than the other one. Um, because I'm an idiot, I do miss my Wang jokes. <laughs> I tried to work in some, you know, because, you know, in memory of Richard. Yeah, know? yeah. Richard would want the egg he roll would. and the wang he jokes. Would. I mean, he would, I was channeling my Richard.
1: Maybe we can get his son in at some point. The, he needs to come of
0: age. Yeah. His balls need to drop, you know, he's... <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, well, you don't, you don't... <laughs> the Richard humor does not flow until the balls have descended. Was that joke some low-hanging fruit? <laughs> oh god. The apples don't descend far from the tree. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> My apologies to his family.
1: Yep. We are so 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 sorry. So I originally had a plan for next week. But it's no theme November. But it's... Well, like, you know, I still... I'm, I'm joking. Even with I'm no joking. theme, I still <laughs> set
0: out what shows we're going to be doing. I know. I'm just being I'm just being It's, a, I'm just it's being not a Wild West. <laughs> oh, God. Um, please tell me there's not a Wild West musical.
1: Paint Your Wagon exists. Um, and Get Your Gun exists. But So I, I was originally going to have us do one show, but then I saw when we were at Arctic Circle, the Once Upon a Mattress poster... So we're going to do another set of episode and then mini-sode if we can swing getting to the live Once Upon a Mattress. Okay. But we're going to watch the Carol Burnett version first. So that'll be our next week's show. And then if we can swing it. <sighs> so <sighs> Once Upon a Mattress, we're either, depending on how our recording sessions goes. You're either going to be seeing the High School Musical first, and that will be the one that's (laughs) released first, and then the Carol Burnett one, or it'll be vice versa. It'll just depend on how our release schedule goes. We're
0: playing it loosey-goosey with these ones. Yes.
1: So either there's going to be an extra episode, um, like, because I'm trying to remember my days of the week right now. I think it's going to be that we're going to, If we can swing it, see it Friday, post the episode Saturday. Fingers crossed, since we don't have to work this weekend. (gasps) Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. And then we'll do the Carol Burnett one, is my
0: plan. But we'll see. All right. Things can happen. See how it goes. (laughs) Yes. So, I'm excited to see a double feature of a woman peeing on a mattress. That is not what it's about. That's
1: the... mm, Allegedly, allegedly, (laughs) (laughs) that's the giant peach musical (laughs) or impeach musical. Um, but no, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, Oh, what have I done? (laughs) So yeah, next week uh, is Once Upon a Mattress, which is the Princess and the Pea. Oh, oh, princess not. and the pea.
0: Where would the pea come from? Like, pea is in the legume. Oh, like oh oh the tiny green pea. Yes, not the uh, body's natural mechanism of disposing waste. Correct. Okay, okay, that makes a lot more <laughs> sense. I was wondering about why a show was so popular about a woman wetting the bed, but actually, I'm I'm equally confused. Why is a pea in the bed important? Whoa, Kay gave me a look.
1: Did you never hear that story? The princess and the pea?
0: Maybe. This will be a big first for you then. A- maybe. Um. Something to do, I don't know, something to do with multiple layers of mattresses and a pea somewhere in it. Does she have to find the pea? I... Wow, our dog sighed with my own stupidity.
1: <laughs> I don't know where Latte would have heard that story, but she's... apparently she did. I
0: guess on the reservation she's like,
1: My dad's an idiot. <laughs> the dogs would gather around every night and tell fairy tales to each other. <laughs> out in the wilderness
0: Shakespeare in the Bark
1: it was Shakespeare in the Bark
0: (laughs) okay let's wrap this up
1: (laughs) thank you all so much for listening we're a little slap happy
0: (laughs) you know just all that grief earlier from Richard he would want us to laugh he would would want want us us to to laugh. laugh
1: Yeah, and if the rest of the Humor family, the Humor Johnson family, is still listening, we apologize for the thing that may or may not have been our fault.
0: Yes. I'm going to go with not our fault. Yes. <laughs> Richard signed the contract. He knew, it, he knew the possibilities. He agreed to sign the contract. He agreed to sign the contract. The contract has been signed by Richard in blood as the prophecy dictated.
1: Yes. So, um, So that'll be it for this week. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed our flower drum song review and the uh, legally contractable obligated eulogy at the beginning. Um, I know I did. Yes, you did. (laughs) I may be in some more hot water with the Humor Johnsons. Um, But yeah, so uh, if you like us, feel free to uh, rate and review on... (laughs) iTunes or Podchaser. With Podchaser, you can actually review individual episodes, which is neat because you can't do that with iTunes. Oh, so. This is
0: true. This is yeah. true. Uh, I
1: you... guess it's Apple Podcasts now.
0: See <laughs> <laughs> that with a little less snark, my dear. I'm just Apple Podcast now. No, I can't. I can't do that without Snark. You can also check out our home base hub, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. We have our episodes up there as well as links to... Our Twitter, uh, well, is Instagram up there yet? Not yet. I keep forgetting to put that one up there. Well, it's Twitter, Facebook, as well as our Gmail, if you want to send us any emails. Um, also, if you want to say hi to us or just come hang out in a really cool community, you can join, uh, the Discord. That we are a member of. Yep, it's uh, we the have our Cast Junkie Discord server. The Cast Junkie Discord servers, Kay has mm-hmm. said, uh, they will have a description in our episode, and we have our own channel there, and we're often off the wall and just talking about whatever. Yep, and uh, you can come join, say hi, you can discover a bunch of podcasts that you didn't know you needed. Yeah, because that community is awesome, and oh my god, there's so many awesome shows that I'm slowly slowly we're slowly working through slowly working through (laughs) um and uh
1: on our website there's also a link to uh the cast junkie discord uh we also have shirts on there the poppin pussies and pies shirts so um we'll probably have a tribute to richard humor on there later too so yes we (laughs) richard humor shirts we need to we need to uh uh, immortalize him immortalize him immortalize richard's head
0: Yes. Yes. Big, swollen, gorgeous head.
1: (laughs) That'll be it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. This has been Tone Deaf.